Hi, and welcome to the RPG Academy's Show and Tell. Show and Tell is a show where we like to bring on somebody in the RPG space and talk about something cool they're doing. I'm Mo, and today we're talking to Nick Butler, designer of Tidebreaker. Nick Butler, welcome to the RPG Academy Show and Tell. Um, do you want to tell us uh, uh, who you are and kind of give us an elevator pitch for a game you designed? No, my social anxieties. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm Nick Butler. I'm from Connecticut. I'm kind of old. And I make games. Uh, the game that you probably know me for is Tidebreaker. It's a cinematic action RPG where you can collaboratively world build with your friends and pet puppies and punch fascists. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Petting puppies and punching fascists. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> um. How did you get into the uh, the game design space? Like, why you do why why do you do this? So it was a dark and stormy night, and uh, I was living in Hartford, which is uh, the capital of Connecticut. For those that are not as uh, geographically informed, yeah, informed. We'll use informed. Um, <laughs> as some folk, right? And uh, you know, we're playing D anD D second edition with the uh, with the siblings and. Uh, they killed a wyvern by doing the rock falls everyone dies on it which was the first and only time i've ever seen that happen from the player side and i was like wow i want to do this someday <laughs> um yeah and skip forward about 20 years i ended up on uh discord and i was deciding to make games after talking to a whole bunch of people i saw a college um my friend Aaron Clooney, he made a game called Thrash, uh, which was like, oh my God, you can make your own? And then I was just like, dude, totally gonna do that. Um, but yeah, so I ended up on Discord and I was just like, yo, I am him. Y'all should be playing my stuff. Why? Because everybody else's stuff sucks. Uh, I became less toxic since then, but <laughs> we but, all have an origin story. <laughs> yeah, my my villain arc started at the beginning. I'm more of a reformed anti-hero game designer now. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of like like I don't want to say the Punisher because he's like it's like negative connotations and cop analogies there, and it's kind of gross. But I don't think of any other anti-heroes right now. No, no, I'm Wolverine because I'm the best at what mm -hmm. I do. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, so we went we went from there and I, I got picked up, I got dropped, and then I did a Kickstarter and I made a shit ton of money that I don't have now. Because <laughs> I'm broke, guys. That but, sounds like game design. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. People are like, wow, you did good. No, I didn't. <laughs> Uh, what kind of feelings and uh, experiences are people going to get from playing Tidebreaker? They're going to feel like badasses. Hmm. They're going to definitely feel like badasses. And if they don't, then I did something wrong. My mechanics are designed explicitly to make your players feel like they are just going to kick everybody's butt and feel great about it. Um, my games are usually about player empowerment, um, including the GM. You know, hmm. So, like... If you're playing my game, you're you're in it to have fun and tell stories with your friends and do cool stuff like punching people out of windows. Uh, Defenestration is one of my favorite words. <laughs> um, 
so you know, like if you play my game, shoot to have fun. Like um, throw your expectations out of the window. If you think you can do it, yes, you can as long as it's cool. If it's not mm. cool, don't do it. Like it's easy. The rule of cool. I I I I don't like doing this on my um on this pod, but uh, I made a game and. You know, clearly in the rules, it says uh, if you're worried about the laws of physics, you're playing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Rule of cool the whole way. I um I was going to make a shirt because I, I got into a, a long Twitter argument with some racist dude uh, who. Don't, who like, don't, don't do that. Yeah, I know. I got baited. But he, he was like going off on me because I was like. Yo, why can't gnomes have like 20 strength, bro? And it's like, because it's gnomes and it's not realistic. My first similitude. And I'm like, for similitudes are for dorks. And um, yeah, it was just like, I'm gonna make that a t-shirt because like I was really mad. And I, I have the t-shirt designed. Uh my friend David Joyce, who did the uh the the Kickstarter banner thing with the like mm-hmm. the guy punching a MAGA truck in half. Uh like he did the design for me, and I never used it. But uh, yeah, I should probably put that shirt out because for similitudes for dorks. I, I love all the rules people put in place uh, in a magical world where magical things exist. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and like, and like with the the friggin' um, what is it, the Lord of the Rings or whatever? Because like, what's his face is black, and the Magic the Gathering players are like having a hissy fit about it. And it's just like, you guys believe in dragons and friggin' orcs and people shooting fireballs out of their hands, but you can't be princes and shit? Like, come on now. <sighs> that like, That's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. Because I have opinions. <laughs> we, we, we should do that podcast. <laughs> Yo, two minutes, tune in. Let's go. Right? <laughs> what mechanics in a tiebreaker? make it a game that's different or exceptional from other games it's not so much that the game is so much different because it is a pastiche of the games that came before it it's more of how i took the things that i've learned from playing and reading a whole bunch of other people's games and put my spin on it right Hmm. um because we have stunts from like exalted right uh, we took the mooks from feng shui we took like a lot of the movement stuff from like board games and fourth edition DD and like all that all that good just stuff right like we have the freaking action stuff from like the zones from fate we have like the freaking um geez like what else did i steal because like you know they say uh good, good artist borrow great artist steal like I, I like to think i'm great <laughs> but um you know we took the the meta currencies from like name a game that has them right mm-hmm. and just did a whole bunch of other stuff from it like the character creation for the abilities and things it's a trimmed down version from from mutants and masterminds or thrash or other games like big eyes small mouth like name a thing mm-hmm. where you can put parts together to make something cool happen right i feel like we're in a, a, at the level of abstraction um how do these show up to help the GM run the game? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a different that's a different story entirely. Uh, but I want to finish. I want to finish my thought though for the previous question. So, like, all that stuff comes together to give an experience where, like, it all blends in to make a very f- frenetic 
fast-paced game that still mm-hmm. gives you that sort of feeling that you have like some sort of tactical acumen when you're in combat, but you still have all of like the narrative tools to make this story that you want to play. Like it gives you permission to be your best, right? And that's what's different about my game. And as far as how the GM can use all of these tools, because they have mostly the same tools the players do, right? You know, and they have the same level of responsibility. It's shared between everybody at the table. The GM is just more kind of like, did that happen? Yes. Okay. So where are the bad guys going to be at? Right. Like that's their job, you know. Hmm. Like they're there to fill the role of facilitator in opposition. You know what I mean? Um, while cheering for the players, it's foreign to some people, but like I feel like it's something that should be more common. Like having the tools designed to have the game master collaborate with the players, not just doing it as window service. Like mm-hmm. our tiebreakers mechanics actively let the GM be like, yo, you know what? You botched that role, but instead of fudging it, they can just take pools, take points out of their pool of meta resources because that's what they also have a pool of meta resources. So the GM typically can't fudge things in the moment. I mean, they can if they want to use rule zero, but like if they're playing by rules as written, they can go, hey, I can spend a point of doom to flip your um, flip your role and turn it into a success, or I can make your thing that would have qualified for explosion an explosion. You know, and like gets you that feel good moment. Of hmm. course, the default tiebreaker rules also say that whenever the players spend hope later, the DM gets more doom. So he's just doing that so he can screw you over later. <laughs> so what are the what are the consequences of these this hope and doom meta currency? Well, the hope lets the players go, hey, that thing exists, or hey, hmm. that role. I'm I'm actually gonna do that role. You know, I'm gonna succeed that role because I'm a badass and I should be winning sometimes. Right. Right. Usually. I showed up to be able to do this thing. And the dice say I can't, but I want to right now. Okay. Yeah, but I want to right now. Like you can choose when to fail as long as you have hope left. Right. Mm -hmm. And the DM can go, okay, cool. But I want you to spend more hope on that so they can increase the difficulties of things or like make you botch some stuff by spending a, a lot of doom on it, right? But it's a back and forth between the two sides. So like, it's always going to have a feeling that you're you're on an even playing field with them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because you're supposed to be working together. Even when you're working apart, like, you know, the DM can go, yeah, maybe, maybe not. You guys have been kind of like, blowing my villains backs out like all day long and i kind of want them to not die immediately (laughs) so what what do gms get to do with this doom currency um well like i said they can increase difficulties for stuff they can do things like literally just make the the villain go i'll get you next time gadget and then just like disappear quite dramatically Mm -hmm. and one of my favorite things is the uh the gloat ability like whenever you actually do damage to a player, you can sit there and monologue at them until they recover. Mm-hmm. And doing so will increase that um, villain's uh, attributes for a little while. And there's another one called, this isn't even my final form, shout out to Akira Toriyama, um, where you just literally max out all that bad guy stats. Like, mm. 
Yeah, he just goes, okay, yeah, so I'm taking the kid's guff off, and now it's time to beat the brakes off of you. <laughs> when D- DMs spin Doom, do players get hope and vice versa? Nope. Does it, does it go back and forth? Oh. No, when the DM spins Doom, the, the DM just spins the Doom. Ah, uh, gotcha. It is very thematically appropriate, I think, because just like when the bad things happen, it, it's just bad things happening. And it's the player's job to survive that, mm-hmm. right? They survive it, and then they go pet puppies to get their hope back. Gotcha. Which is why, like, we pet puppies and we punch fascists, because petting puppies increases hope. Like, doing good things for people in your community increases your hope. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like being heroic and being kind, right? And specifically being kind, right, is how you get your resources. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just about defenestrating people through like windows and shit, right? Like it's about being a decent person alongside doing your like stylistic violence. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's a part I've undersold about tiebreaker over the years, but um, it's it's important to me that people understand that. You know, again, this is a whole nother podcast we could do <laughs> talking about the petting of puppies and the therapeutic value thereof. Yeah. Um, I'm hearing a lot of uh, fighty fighty imagery coming from tiebreaker. Uh, is that the main way problems get solved? Uh, you oh, said this, yeah, this comes yeah, from absolutely. <laughs> okay. It's it's an action it's an action RPG. The main the main thing is people are going to play this game and they're going to go, what can I make explode? And gotcha. the answer is everything, gotcha. everything, everything. <laughs> um, but you know the game also supports building. You know, as far as like, hey, like we did a lot of like collateral damage here, mm-hmm. but you know, there's still people here left in the rubble that need help, right? And if you help them, you get the reward of being able to blow up more stuff better later because you get more hope for it, right? right? Because you're doing good for people. You're not just kicking people's ass and leaving. Like, gotcha. Because I think a lot of stories in, um, in like, particularly movies and the little bit of comics I've read, because I can't say I'm a comic expert, but I've read a little bit here and there. Like, they don't really cover so much what happens afterwards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think I think having that in games where you can just be like, hey, man, like, I, 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 I know that there's still people in need. Like, if I was playing, like, Dungeons and Dragons, I killed all the goblins, I took the gold, and I, like, went about my business... Like, there's still stuff that needs to be done in that community. Like, yeah, there might be a more interesting dungeon to go explore later. But, like, if you went in and said, like, oh, you know, we found out later that the goblins were actually hired by an evil politician. Yeah, okay, cool. Now you go kick the politician's ass. All right. Mm -hmm. What happens afterwards? Mm -hmm. You know, there's Mm -hmm. still a corrupt system behind it, right? Right. Like, I'm not saying Tidebreaker is the best system for dismantling, like, uh all of the structures that make like all these evil things happen but like it does support enough of the direct care of the people in those communities right by rewarding that sort of thing like there's not like a lot of explicit mechanics for going okay maybe i should rebuild this lady's apple stand or something but like right if you choose to do so there's a reward for it you know what i mean 
And I think just that core element of just going, hey, man, like, you know, maybe we can do stuff to help people. Like, I can build future supplements later that dive into that side more if mm -hmm. there's demand for it. But the core of the game, yeah, it's it's kicking people in the face. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I do wish I kind of went more into, like, the community aspect more. Like, it's there, but, like, I do regret that I didn't do more of that. Um, You know, my problem is I think there are so many kinds of fun, and mm -hmm. you can – absolute like we're at a point where um it's no longer the case where people open up a book and say we're going to play a game where you can do whatever you want to do and everybody has to be on the same page you know mm -hmm. and it's awesome that you could pick up tiebreaker and it and say this is what it says on the box we could do this and it's going to do it great and i'm like you know that's the benefit of you know people designing the games that they want that that yeah. that's that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, um, there, there's a game. If you want to talk about how knitting, you know, solves a murder, that, like that game's out there. You mm -hmm. know? And, uh, you know, tiebreaker ain't that game. And that's awesome. It's not. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> that is absolutely awesome. Yeah. Um, it's I definitely... It's definitely punched a red skull in the face and then mm -hmm. maybe pay for the damages later. <laughs> but definitely I, not knitting people's sweaters and shit. <laughs> I, I grew up playing champions and um, it's very clear. This game that says it could do anything, you know, had a whole long list of things that it couldn't do. It's like mm -hmm. there's no way to 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 point by a bag of holding and hero system. And so, you know, you can only just write, I have a bag of holding and, you know, hope people don't, you know, utilize that strategically in combat because then they got free points mm -hmm. <laughs> and, they, and they broke the system. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do players interact with the characters? What kind of character archetypes do they have? And like, what, what's character creation like? Well, character creation is it's broken down into a couple of steps. You're, you're picking your character's quirks and the quirks define what their archetype is. So, um, and it basically goes, hey, if you're going to define what this particular type of character is, like say if you were to make a soldier, you're gonna mm -hmm. go through the list of things and go, okay, my soldiers are resolute, tough, and cautious, right? Gotcha. Okay. So your default soldier for that um, campaign, those are the quirks that they would have if the GM decides to make another soldier. And then yeah. they can go, okay, well, this type of soldier, like these are the berserker soldiers, they remove cautious and put like something else in there. Right. Hmm. Um, so you do that. Um, then you get their stats, you either roll them or do like point by or whatever. Um, and then you pick their abilities and the abilities are from a from a pick me list you start off with three abilities that have two of what we call functions which are just um little cool mechanical things that you can do like say if you wanted to make a gun you pick ranged and then something else for for gun right like, uh could be like ranged and piercing if you want to make it like uh ap bullets or something like that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but if you want to make a shotgun you take the ranged off entirely and do like uh piercing and overwhelming or or like um, monumental or something, so it hits absolutely everything. Um, gotcha. But like in that too, you're going. 
what's a shotgun? Right? Like, what is um, Anzatsuken or whatever, which is like reuse martial arts? Like, mm-hmm. what does that look like? You know, mm-hmm. like you're not going, what's a Hadouken look like unless you really want to just boil down a Hadouken and then the 18 million variations you come up with it later. But like, you can be as broad or specific as you want with that. I usually suggest when you're making abilities to be broader with them because then it gives you more reasons to go, oh, okay, so later, like my um, grappling hook thing can also pull in enemies instead of just letting me swing around. All right. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Because one of the cool things about Tiebreakers Combat is uh, we have something called the trick system, which it lets you just add a function in there. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, because like um, if you go, oh, cool. So we have this laser gun and the laser gun normally just burns through armor and then just does laser things, right? It just goes pew pew and people people die. But like, then you come up, with, why can't I bounce it off of walls? Mm-hmm. Why can't you? Nobody said you couldn't. Bounce the laser off the wall. Just find a function that does that. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, um, but like what happens is like you do that and then you get the trick. But uh the first time you do it, it's free. And then every time afterwards, you have to spend momentum. And momentum you get from by default missing attacks, your quirks can change how you get momentum. But like the default is I missed, but I learned something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but like doing that trick is going to go, okay, I haven't quite got this down perfectly yet. So I have to spend a resource to it, but the progression and tiebreaker is based off of going, okay, so that laser bouncing trick, I've practiced that enough. So now it's just a standard part of my laser gun, right? Like my lasers will always bounce. <laughs> and and you're really going to, you're going to fail forward to get that trick. Well, no, um, when you get to trick, the first time it's just go, I have a good idea. Mm-hmm. And because you had that light bulb, it worked. Hmm. Right? It just works the first time. But then, then after that, you're just like, okay, but how do I replicate that? Right? Because the first time it's just kind of like, oh, man, this was like a fluke, right? Like, I just did the thing and suddenly I made a barrel explode. That's awesome. How do I do that all the time? Gotcha. And that's that's how the momentum thing works afterwards. So you get it for free, then you got to spend momentum, and then eventually you can lock it in. Do all characters start with the same amount of hope? Um, hope is shared between the party. So you get oh. two hope per party member. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the DM gets double amount in Doom. Okay. So there's a negotiation at the table before somebody uses a hope. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, that way it's not just um, people going... Oh man, I'm gonna spend all of this hope on myself, so I always get Matt's rolls or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to work together, right? Um, but it also keeps it from just saying, "Oh man, I spent the two hope I came with, and now I'm screwed." Gotcha. Right? So that way, there's no like, like real... if everybody sees that your dice rolls suck, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they can like have the... pity on you. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, you know what, bro? Spend that third hope. Go right. for it. We want this to happen for you. Right. You know, because we love you and we want you to have fun too. And that is the key element to, to how Tiebreaker works. It's like you want your friends to do well. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, like, if you have one person at the table that's just having a crap day, man, like, 
yo, homie needs a win. Let him have the win. And when and that's why that's why the DM is also able to spend doom on the players. Because like, yeah, yeah you can sit there cackling all the time and like hits you with all of the gotchas in the world, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming that people are kind enough to go, hey, you know what? This player has been put through the ringer for like the last two sessions or right. something like that. Right. I'm going to throw him a bone. You nice. know what I'm saying? And then let him have his win. Right? Because I feel like in good storytelling, yes, you're 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 going to get kicked in the teeth a lot. Right? Mm-hmm. Because there's no good stories without conflict. But um, there also has to be some wins every once in a while. And if the dice aren't letting you have the wins, then screw the dice. You know? Sometimes. Sometimes. And, you yeah. know, I think I think it's cool that, you know, there were there was a time when it was like, whatever you roll, that's it. Suffer through it. And, yeah. you know, people are like, we can we can gamify and mechanize even a failed role. And yeah, I, I think failed roles being mechanized are, are really cool. Um, uh, 13th Age does that really well, actually. Hmm. Uh, and it was one of what I was like trying to find games that were like good alternatives to Dungeons and Dragons before I was just like, you know what, the D20 atmosphere can kick rocks, like just entirely. That's where I'm at right now. Um, uh, but 13th Age, the fighter, uh, has one of the best mechanics I've ever seen for, for a D20 system. When you miss, you do partial damage. Mm. Why? Because you're a fighter, that's what you right. do. Right. Like, nobody is better than you at swinging a sword. Absolutely right. no one. No one is going to defend themselves against you for that long. Why? Because you are the guy that swings the swords. Mm-hmm. Right? You are a professional. You are one of the best in the world. You are the fighter. Right? So, like, who can defend against you for that long? Yeah, I feel like there were there was a, a long time when um, everybody being balanced was kind of the main focus of game design. And um, in the last decade plus, it has been much more a emphasis put on spotlight, you know. Spotlight's better. I think. And people like you're, you're, you're not going to be just as good as everybody else, but you're going to be able to shine doing the thing you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what I that's what I find most important, and that's why I stopped playing um, the D twenty games hmm. because uh, as much as people like try to like tell you that oh if I do this particular build and I can get past this thing, but like I've always been stuck on the linear fighters quadratic wizards argument for like the last couple of decades, and I don't think that's changed, and I think that the Dungeons and Dragons community in particular wants it that way, and so it's like okay. I'm out, right? But it's cool that that game exists for people yeah. who want that. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think that that's the beauty of uh, the variety of games and, you know, Absolutely. game design inclinations. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that for them. I hate it for me. <laughs> <laughs> you you don't you don't want to play a game? I hate it where... for me, but I love it for everybody else. Like, if you like that, then that's cool. But, like, yeah, I don't want to play a game where one of the classes does what I do, but better, but they also do everything else. Right. Cough, cough, the wizard. Listen, 
I, 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 again, I think it's awesome. People can play the games they want to play. Um, yeah. If people want to get their hands on, uh, on, on Tidebreaker, where do they have to go? TidebreakerRPG.com. You can get the PDFs right now. We're still working on getting the hardcovers available to the public. But uh, as soon as we do, I will definitely be posting that on Twitter, where you can find me at FollowMyBlade. Nice. You just answered three of my questions. But what about the other one? If people want to, <laughs> if people want to uh, check out an AP or some kind of media around Tidebreaker, where could they go to find that? Um, well, we have a AP on Neon Lights, uh, which I think is Neon Lights RP at Twitch. But if you look up Neon Lights on um, on Twitter, like you'll you'll be able to find them. Uh, so we have an AP with them, and we have an AP on Utopia featuring uh, Kiana S's um, Archon setting mm-hmm. that they did. Because uh, when Tidebreaker came out, Archon came out at the same time, so we did a partner um, game with them. Uh, which was turned out pretty good. So if you look up on either Utopia or Neon Lights, you'll find APs for Tidebreaker. And other than uh, Twitter, are there any any other ways to be, become part of the Tidebreaker community? Uh, the Discord, but that's the link is on the Twitter. So technically, well, yes, technically, no. <laughs> it's in a nice central place where you can find it. Yeah, it's just like... Uh, Holler at me on Twitter. Holler at me at the website. You know what I mean? Like, it's pretty easy to find. I can say that Nick is very accessible via Twitter. Yes. <laughs> That's where I found yes. it. Like, I, yeah, like, I answer all my DMs, like, at me. I'll, I'll holler at you. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sociable. <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you so much for coming on Show and & Tell and telling us about Tidebreaker. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to hearing and seeing more about uh the games that you develop and uh you know uh i i i have heard about tidebreaker but um i haven't had a chance to play yet and i'm motivated i'm motivated play it man it's fun <laughs> like okay i'm biased obviously <laughs> i get I, that yeah but I know it's fun, you know. Like uh, we went through, we went through a couple of years of playtesting with a lot of different people from different backgrounds to make sure that it was pretty fun. So nice, yeah. You know, it's fun. Just try it. Well, thanks for coming on Show and Tell, Nick. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook Or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can. 
and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.